With the 13th pick in the 1996 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Kobe Bryant from Lower Marion High School in Pennsylvania. A coming out party for the high school kid. Your game face has been on the entire series. Still waiting for a big smile out of you. You're up 2-0. What's the story? Are you not happy or you're only half happy? Or? Still to be happy about. You're up 2-0. Job's not finished. Job finished? No, I don't think so. What's up, L.A.? Welcome to episode number eight of the L.A. Courtside Podcast. Brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. And I'm your host, L.A. Ray. And of course, today is the 28th. And as we all know, a couple of days ago was the one-year anniversary of the tragic death of Kobe Bryant, a.k.a. the Black Mamba. So I kind of thought it would be appropriate to dedicate this episode, this eighth episode of the L.A. Courtside Podcast to Kobe Bryant who of course wore number eight with the LA Lakers as well as number 24 uh, later in his career. So I thought it would be kind of fitting, kind of appropriate uh, to do this episode in, uh, in honor of the black Mamba. One of the first things that come to mind, you know, when I think of Kobe Bryant, he's one of those type of players. Um, let me let, let me let you know, first of all, he's my all time favorite player, but he's one of those players that, you know, some people love, some people hate, you have some that are in between, you know, you have people who would who would tend to say, you know, when you're in the barbershop or, you know, you're, you're you're out with your buddies at a bar. Sports conversations come up. Kobe Bryant comes up always being compared to Michael Jordan and those, you know, Michael Jordan fans uh, who, who think he's the goat. And he is, you know, they would always say, man, Kobe Bryant is not as good as Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant's not the best player that ever played the game, man. He's not better than Michael Jordan. And I would always tell them, never said that. It's no shame in being second, third, fourth, or fifth as far as the all-time NBA players. You know, if Kobe Bryant is the, let's say, the fifth best player to ever play the game, you know, was he a great player? Of course he was. You know, Michael Jordan, the GOAT, Kobe Bryant, if he's top five, if you think he's top ten, you know, great player, one of the greatest players that ever played the game. So, again, just find it appropriate just to uh, dedicate this show to him. And again, January 26th, one year anniversary of the day that Bryant uh, died in that tragic accident, along with his daughter, Gigi. And I don't want to go over the details of the tragedy because, you know, of course, it still hurts not only L.A. basketball fans, but all fans across the NBA you know, in the NBA family, even those who didn't like Kobe Bryant, you know, that hit those folks rather hard as well. And, you know, no one wants to really relive that moment in time. But as LeBron meant, uh, I'm sorry, LeBron James mentioned in a post game interview after defeating the Chicago Bulls last week, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, he said, it's a dark time that we don't want to relive. And he's absolutely right on that. You know, we really don't want to relive that particular day, but it's okay to honor the Black Mamba. It's definitely okay to honor the Black Mamba, and that's what I intend to do uh, in this episode. So, 
I'm not going to relive that moment again, but what I do want to do is speak about the type of player, you know, that, that we all became to know as the black mamba. And in my podcast, I don't like to really bore my listeners with a whole bunch of statistics. You know, I call it statistics overkill. You have to give some statistics in the game. Um, you know, how many points did LeBron James have? How many rebounds did he have? You know, how many assists did uh, Anthony Davis have? Um, Kawhi Leonard, you know, how many points? How many rebounds? You know, you can only do so much of that. But in the case of uh, Kobe Bryant, you know, his career stats are just mind-blowing and worth noting, you know, at this point in time. So just, you know, take a moment to let these numbers marinate. You know, just just check out some of these numbers. 18-time All-Star. 18. Five-time NBA champion. Three times with Shaq two times without Shaq. And that's another heated debate that you would find in happening in barbershops and at the bars, you know, for the folks who did not like, particularly like the black Mamba, they would say, well, yeah, he won those uh, three championships, but if it wasn't for Shaq, you know, he wouldn't have won those. Well, later on down the line, he won two without Shaq. You know, who do you have on that team? You know, Paul Gasol. Yeah. Paul Gasol is a good player. You know, Meta World Peace. Yeah, come on. You know, what are we doing here? Uh, the Black Mamba won those two championships. I'm not going to say he won them by himself, but he won those without Shaquille O'Neal. 12 time all defensive team. 12 times. You know, this guy, he was more than just an offensive powerhouse. Guy played defense. 12 times all defensive team. Four time all star MVP. League MVP in the 2007-2008 season. Two-time scoring champ. One of those years he averaged like 31 points and 35 points a game in, in, in another year. 15-time All-NBA team. Rookie of the year, of course, in 1996. And a two-times final MVP. And, you know, as you heard in that opening clip of the 1996 NBA draft, Bryant was drafted number 13 by the Charlotte Hornets, who then immediately traded him to the Lakers. Now, Kobe Bryant at that time was only 17 years old at the time he was drafted. Think about that, folks. 17 straight out of high school. And it's at that point where the legend of Kobe Bryant began to take shape. And, you know, commentating on draft night, uh, you know, that night in 1996 was the legendary, legendary Hubie Brown. You know, Hubie Brown, a legend, you know, and he had these comments about the high school kid from Lower Marion High School in Pennsylvania. He says, and I quote, he is an offensive whiz with all pro moves. He is a young man with range. He can go off the dribble. And the most important thing is he can get his own shot. Here we go. The ball comes in. Kobe's got it. Above the three-point line, taking a little bit of time. One dribble, pull up. For the win, he's got it! The Lakers win! What was the plan? Well, for me to get the ball and create something. And, uh, you know, I've been setting him up all night long. I noticed how he was playing me, and I figured the one dribble, pull up, and get the good shot. And that was Kobe Bryant in a nutshell, man. Right there. Dude didn't need anybody to facilitate for him. He get his own shot. 
off the dribble, one dribble, two dribbles, crossover between the legs, get his own shot anytime he wanted to. And back in that time, you know, when Kobe was coming out of high school, you know, every team that he worked out for, they all said they saw no weakness in his game. Jerry West, who eventually drafted him, said on draft night that greatness, and I quote here, greatness lies ahead for this young man, unquote. And then West went on to to trade the rights of Vlade Divac. Does everybody remember that? Vlade Divac, who was a pretty good player in his own right. But uh, West traded him to Charlotte for the rights of Kobe Bryant. And the rest, as they say, is history. Think about how the Charlotte Hornets may feel even to this day if they were able to keep Kobe Bryant or not trade Kobe Bryant and sign Kobe Bryant. You know, how would that have changed that particular franchise up to this day? You know, we'll never know. So Kobe came out to the West Coast, baby. And as I say, the rest is history. But going back to that particular draft, when you when you look at it, you know, the first thing you may think about is, you know, what 12 players were drafted ahead of Kobe Bryant and what the hell were those teams thinking? And we all know the NBA draft is it's an inexact science. Um, you know, you never know what you're going to get, whether that, whether it's the number one player picked in the whole draft or whether it's the last player taken in the second round. You know, you can get a bust at number one. You can get a superstar at the end of the second round. You really never know. But looking back at this draft, it was one of the strongest NBA drafts in recent memory. So let, let me refresh you your, your memory here. The number one player picked in that draft was Allen Iverson. Allen freaking Iverson in the same draft as Kobe Bryant. Can you imagine that? And Allen Iverson, of course, became a superstar. Sort of like changed the game a little bit for the point guard position. Kid had some game. Marcus Camby. Coming out of Massachusetts, Marcus Camby was a pretty good ball player. Not a Hall of Famer or anything, but he was a pretty good player. You know, well-renowned player while he was in um, at Massachusetts. Sharif Abdul-Rahim. You guys remember him from Cal. Number four pick in that draft, Stephon Marbury. Straight off the streets of New York. Steph Marbury still playing to this day, I believe, in China. I visited Beijing my wife and I a couple of years ago and Stefan Marbury is like, he's like the king over there, man. You know, he's like, seemed like he's second in command uh, behind President Xi. I mean, dude's on billboards all over the place. So again, Stefan Mar Marbury in the same draft is Kobe Bryant. Number five on this list is one of my favorite players of all time, Ray Allen. Ray Allen of the movie, he got game. Jesus Shuttlesworth, three-point assassin. Another great player. Probably a Hall of Famer in the same draft as Kobe Bryant. Number six on that list was Antoine Walker. Pretty good player in his own right. And then you have, this is where it gets kind of skittish here. Uh, number seven, Lorenzen Wright. Actually drafted by the Clippers at number seven. Number eight, Kerry Kittles. Drafted by the Nets. Number nine, Samaki Walker. Number 10, Eric Dampier. Number 11, Todd Fuller. Number 12 is a guy I've never heard of, Vitaly 
Polipinko, drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers at number 12. You know, they're probably kicking themselves to this day. Then came number 13, Kobe Bryant, as I mentioned in the opening clip. David Stern walked to the podium and announced with the 13th pick in the NBA draft. The Charlotte Hornets select Kobe Bryant, Lower Marion High School. Uh, just as a side note, though, number 14 was Pedro Stoyakovich in that draft. And number 15 was Steve Nash. And number 17 was Jermaine O'Neal. So as you can see, that draft was loaded, loaded with talented players. It was one of the strongest drafts in NBA history. But Kobe Bryant, of course, will be known as the best player to come out of that draft. And, you know, it's kind of easy to sit back. You know, I'm sitting here second guessing the teams that passed on Bryant. You know, Golden State, number 11, Todd Fuller. You know, I mentioned the Cleveland pick, Potapinko. That may be that may have been the most egregious draft mistake of that particular draft. So, you know, but what type of player was Kobe Bryant? You know, most people with that has an ounce of basketball knowledge, you know, they'll compare him, like I mentioned in the opening, you know, with his childhood idol, which was Michael Jordan. And there have been many debates, again, around NBA circles about who the GOAT is in the NBA. And I think most people, again, will agree that Jordan is the GOAT, you know, but, you know, there are varying opinions on who's the number two best player. You know, you could put Kobe in the mix. You know, you could put the current Laker, LeBron James, as maybe the number two player of all time. You know, you're not going to get too many arguments with that. You know, Magic Johnson, another Laker. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, another Laker. Bill Russell. You know, the list goes on and on. You know, that's why sports conversations are so great, because everybody has a, a differing opinion, you know, about those type of things. But as far as Kobe Bryant goes, you know, he's he's just he's my all time favorite player. You know, I'm biased when it comes to to the, to the Black Mamba. But, you know, the one trait that I loved about Kobe, you know, is the same trait that Michael Jordan had throughout his career. You know, when Kobe had an opponent or a team down and out and he would do this all the time, just like Jordan, you know, he would put his foot, you know, on the throat of a player. Uh, not literally, of course, but you know what I mean? And and finish the job. And it's the same way that Michael Jordan played. You know, when he had you on the ropes, more often than not, he would finish the job with a TKO, you know, or or a knockout punch, you know, much like one of the boxers from back in the day. Inside a 10 of the shot clock. Right side's available. He's going that way. Baseline fall away over Brandon Roy. Got it! The best finisher of the game comes through with the clutch. The Lakers lead by five. Is he a little fired up or what? So that's exactly the type of player that Kobe Bryant was. A guy that was just not afraid of the moment. Not afraid to take the big shot. Hit it or miss it. He's going to take that shot if it's available to him. Guy wasn't afraid of anything, man. And like I said, you know, when he has you down and out, you know, he's going to finish the job. And that's what great players do. They finish the job. Michael Jordan finished the job. You know, Larry Bird finished the job. Magic Johnson finished the job. Even back in the bad boys days, Isaiah Thomas finished the job. That's what great players do. And, you know, Kobe, he's the type of player, you know, he wasn't satisfied with a lot of things. 
you know, as you heard in that opening uh, clip in the intro, when the Lakers were playing the Orlando Magic uh, for the championship and the Lakers were up on the Magic two games to none, you know, when that reporter asked Kobe, you know, why wasn't he smiling? And, you know, the black mama simply said, it's not over yet. You know, 2-0 two, doesn't mean anything at this point. You know, and in that season, again, without Shaquille O'Neal, the Lakers went on to defeat Magic in five games. And that's when Kobe Bryant won his first NBA Finals MVP. And again, many fans doubted whether he could win an NBA championship without Shaq. And there's nothing against Shaq, of course. Shaq is, you know, a great player, Hall of Famer. But, you know, Kobe did just that by defeating the Orlando Magic. And then by defeating the Boston Celtics the following year after being down three games to two in that series. And it was at that point where, you know, Kobe solidified himself as one of the best players of all time. So, you know, other than the five championships that, that Kobe won in his career, there were several individual highlights, you know, that we will all remember. Can't go over them all in this podcast here. But there was that 81-point game he had against the Toronto Raptors. You know, they, he burned the Toronto Raptors. Um, somebody, I believe it was in January of 2006. I wrote it down in my notes here somewhere. January 2006. That was one of the greatest single game performances in NBA history. You know, the Lakers came back and won that game. You know, 81 points. Think about that. 81 points on, you know, 28 of 46 shooting. You know, 7 of 13 from three-piece land. 18 of 20 from the foul line. You know, 81 points, folks. Think about that. And, and, you know, a lot of those points, uh, unfortunately, was against, you know, one of my Detroit homies, uh, Jalen Rose from the city of Detroit, where I'm from. You know, scored a lot of those points against Jalen, unfortunately. But um, take a listen to a clip on on that particular game when uh, Kobe Bryant scored those 81 points. Kobe Bryant, 28 for 46 from the field. This would be 18 for 20 from the line and an 81-point game. 55 in the second half. You gotta get him out of the game. Somebody gotta fly. Oh, it is out Get ball, there it is. Here we go. And Kobe will be in place and listen to this crowd for number eight, Kobe Bryant. So I want you to just think about that for a moment, L.A. fans. 81 points in a single basketball game. 81. Now, there's many NBA pundits out there that, you know, that agree with me that that's the greatest individual performance in NBA history. Even more so than Wilt Chamberlain's 100 points. Another Laker, by the way. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain's 100 points that he got way, way, way back in the day. But, you know, since that game, you know, was not televised and Wilt pretty much played against, you know, a bunch of, if you look at the footage from back then, what looked to be non-athletic six foot two, six foot three, maybe a few six foot eight guys here and there. Your Bill Russell's here and there. Um, I believe Kobe's performance was the most dominant individual performance in the modern NBA era. Nothing against Wilt Chamberlain, of course. 100 points is nothing to, to sneeze at. But 81 points in, in, in today's NBA action. And again, you can look at the guys that was drafted with Kobe Bryant in that 1996 draft. I mean, these guys are super athletic. 
super athletic guys and to score 81 points against an NBA team. That's epic, man. That's 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 some epic stuff right there. But one of the other things that, you know, many people don't mention about Kobe Bryant is, um, you know, what he did off the court. You know, as far as giving back, giving back to the community, the community of Los Angeles, giving back to the community of um, Philadelphia, you know, where he played his high school basketball career, you know, giving back over in uh, in Italy where he was pretty much raised. You know, he participated in the, you know, the NBA CARES initiative, you know, where they helped build homes and basketball courts in uh, impoverished areas. You know, stocked food pantries, you know, supported reading initiatives for kids. You know, he was also an official spokesman for the uh, the NBA after school all stars. You know, that's a national children's charity and they provide after school programs to, you know, around 70,000 kids or so. So. He did a lot of things outside of basketball that a lot of people don't don't realize. You know, when you, you think of Kobe Bryant, you think of what this guy did between the white lines. You know, the black mamba. You know, last second shots. Reverse dunks. You know, defensive stops. Block shots. You think of all of that when you think of Kobe Bryant. But outside of those white lines is what a lot of people don't talk about. So... Kobe Bryant deserves a whole lot of credit for what he did outside of the court as well. And then lastly, you know, some of the some of the good quotes, great quotes that uh, that have come from Kobe Bryant. I just want to mention a few of them. And these are all quotes. One of them, he says, everything negative pressure challenges is all an opportunity for me to rise. So in other words, he took all of that on. He took on the pressure. He wanted the last shot. You know, he loved the challenge. He challenged Michael Jordan back when they were playing, you know, as a young kid. You know, go back on YouTube and uh, look at the clips. Challenge Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, you know, when Kobe was young, got the best of him. But there were some times that Kobe Bryant went after the GOAT, went after MJ. Got with him a few times. You know, pressure, challenges, all an opportunity for him to rise. Another quote, this one is this one is really, really profound. I don't want to be the next Michael Jordan. I only want to be Kobe Bryant. And that's who he is. That's who he was. He was Kobe Bryant. I mean, you can compare the two on the court and all of that, but you have Michael Jordan on this side of the fence. You have Kobe Bryant on the other side of the fence. There'll be players that come uh, in the NBA in later years and you know, you may have one that, that someone would say, well, boy, this player reminds me of Michael Jordan. Then you may have one to come along and say, well, boy, this player he kind of doesn't remind me of Jordan, but he reminds me of Kobe. You know, the black mamba. You know, you may hear that from uh, from folks down the line. Um, another quote, I'll do whatever it takes to win games, whether it's sitting on the bench, waving a towel handing a cup of water to a teammate or hitting the game winning shot. Dude just did what he had to do, did what he had to do to win. You know, obviously he had enough talent. You know, he had to worry about sitting on the bench or handing a cup of water to a teammate. You know, he had enough talent to go out there and take it upon himself to win games. And that's exactly what the guy did. And this last clip or this last quote by Kobe, 
He says, these young guys today are playing checkers. I'm out there playing chess. Now, this guy, you know, seemed like he played two or three plays ahead of everybody else. You know, seems like he knew what was going to happen before it happened. You know, and the young guys, again, they're playing, they're playing checkers. You know, Kobe's out there playing chess, you know, with the kings and the queens and the rooks and the knights. You know, guy was a very smart player. Probably could have been a very, very good coach as well. But very, very smart basketball player. Just just a smart guy in general. So with that, I want to end this segment by just saying to all the fans across the NBA, not just in Los Angeles, but NBA fans across the country, if you've had the privilege and the honor to watch somebody like Kobe Bryant play, you should cherish those memories. Those guys just don't come around very often. You know, if you live in Boston and was able to watch Larry Bird, or if you lived in Detroit and was able to watch Isaiah Thomas, if you live in Philadelphia, was able to watch Julius Irving, the doctor, or if he was in Chicago and was able to watch Michael Jordan, cherish those memories. You know, take advantage of the technology nowadays. Go back to go go to YouTube and watch video clips of these guys, especially youngsters who may not even remember Julius Irving or Larry Bird or maybe not even Isaiah Thomas. Go back and look at those highlights. See how great these players were. Just just simply great players. You just never know when, you know, these players won't be around anymore. So um, I implore you to go back. Look at the great players from back in the day. Cherish all the memories. And on my um, L.A. blog page, where you can find at www.laraysports.com, I wrote a little blog blog entitled The Black Mama Retrospective. And despite the tragedy, the legend of Kobe Bryant will live on. And it will definitely live on. You know, he may not be with us in body, but he is definitely with us in spirit. Black Mamba will never, ever, ever be forgotten. Black Mamba's legend will live on. I remember how it all began. I used to sing dirty rap to my east side fans back then. I knew you couldn't stop this rap. No MC could rock like that. Then the new style came, the bass got deeper. He gave up the mic and bought you a beeper. In my next segment, I'd like to briefly talk about the Clippers and the current six-game Eastern Conference road trip that they're on, where they lost the first game to the Atlanta Hawks, 108-99. to And, of course, the Clippers are playing without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who are in what the NBA is calling health and safety protocols, which is a fancy way of saying COVID-19 precautions. And also Patrick Beverly, he's, he's out nursing a right knee injury. So the Clippers, of course, they have to uh, play their reserves. They have to start and, you know, next man up. You have Reggie Jackson, who started in this game. You have Terrence Mann. You have Luke Kennard. And they actually played, you know, reasonably well in that game. They just so happened to run into Trey Young, who scored 38 blistering points against the Clippers. It would have been nice to see Patrick Beverly go up against Trey Young. As we all know, Patrick Beverly is probably the best defensive guard in the NBA. 
So it would it would have been really nice to see him go up against Trey Young. And speaking of Trey Young, real quick, I don't know if you all remembered uh, the trade where uh, Dallas traded up to get um, Luka Doncic, and uh, they gave Atlanta a first round draft choice. Then Atlanta turned around and picked Trey Young. You know, a lot of pundits thought, you know, Atlanta got the short end of the stick there. Luka Doncic just came out hot. And Trey Young kind of struggled out of the gate, but look at that kid now, man. He's probably an all-star. Well, I know he's going to be an all-star. He's averaging around 26 points a game. But anyway, back to the Clippers, you know, you know, one may think that they may have been in a little trouble if they don't get their two stars back soon. Uh, Ty Lue, when asked, you know, when they may be back, he said he wasn't sure. They may be back after eight days, 10 days. That covers this whole Eastern Conference road trip. But if they can split this series or split this trip, three games, win three and, and, and lose three, you know, I think that would be a successful road trip. You know, again, they say next man up, you know, everyone has to step up. Reggie Jackson played a, um, you know, he played a pretty good game scoring 20 points. He has seven rebounds, eight assists. One thing that the Clippers did not do well in that game was they shot eight of 26 from behind the three-point arc. So the loss of George and Leonard really showed in that particular category. But the games coming up, they have against um, Orlando. That's a winnable game. The Knicks, Cleveland, those are winnable ball games, even with the lineup that they're putting out there. The two games that they you know, may have trouble with is Brooklyn and Miami. That'll be more of a challenge. But again, if they can come back 3-3, come back to the West Coast, split that Eastern Conference road trip, and then get Paul and Leonard back, the Clippers will be in really, really good shape. And those guys that are playing right now, they will gain a whole lot of confidence, you know, if they can split this um, this road trip three and three. And then they can go back to doing their role, coming off the bench, you know, supporting the starters. And if they're able to do that, watch out Western Conference because the Clippers were playing probably the best basketball in the NBA when George and Leonard went out. And if these guys can step up, hold the fort until they get back, watch out Western Conference, baby, because the Clippers, they're going to be hell to deal with. I don't care who they're playing. Hell to deal with. Lakers, whomever. So it's going to be interesting to see how these guys play on this particular trip. And with that, L.A. fans, I'm going to leave it there. But as usual, I'd like to give a shout out to the Basketball Podcast Network and my producers, Isha Jerome and Dylan Kaiser. And I'd also like to give a shout out to my son, Kyle, a.k.a. Jay West. Hit him up on Instagram at Jay West. Get yourself some beats out there, young folks who like to rap like Too Short who's the artist that I played earlier in this episode. Too Short was an L.A. kid, originally from L.A., raised in Oakland, one of the best rappers of his time. He rapped about the drug culture and street survival in L.A., and a lot of rappers back in those days, that's what they did. That's how they told their story, and Too Short was one of the best at doing that. Too Short. Life is too short. So with that, L.A. fans... Thank you very much for listening. Looking forward to doing episode number nine. Look out for that coming in a few days. With that, peace.